2: To the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mintz. Today, we are recapping a fairly disappointing loss by the Kansas Jayhawks against the Duke Blue Devils out in Durham, North uh, North Carolina. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't go the way we wanted. But to help me do that, I have Mike Plank, editor in chief over at Rock Chalk Talk, coming on here in just a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to make sure so that we don't forget, like we did last time, uh, to talk about the Olympic sports. Um, you know that we had that. Competed this weekend because let me tell you, there were some actually some really, really good results that I wanted to share. So, um, first up, the Kansas women's volleyball team played two matches against Texas Tech on the road. They won both of those in uh, three to two. So, they won on Friday, one on Saturday, three to two wins. Absolutely fantastic way to start out the Big 12 season. Um, huge, huge way to get started for them. Unfortunately, the women's soccer team was not as successful. Um, you know, they, they lost on the road to TCU on Thursday. And then on Sunday they lost, I'm sorry, they, they lost one to nothing to nationally ranked number eight TCU. And then they lost uh, again on the road to Oklahoma state in Stillwater three uh, one to finish up the the, 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 weekend there. They do have games coming up this week, Thursday. It's the sunflower showdown at home rock chalk park. Definitely get out there, 7 p.m. on Thursday night. If you can make it out there, I highly recommend it. Please go out and support the Jayhawks and you know show them just how much support they actually have here. Uh, there are still tickets available. I did look. If you're not able to watch it live in person, you can watch it on Big 12 Now, the, the ESPN Plus channel. I've caught every match that they've had so far this year in some fashion, um, even if it's not the entire thing. So I highly recommend you guys do that. Show your support for this Kansas soccer team they are absolutely fantastic. I am still working to try to get someone on the podcast to talk about this team, give us a little bit more background kind of what we can talk about. At the very least it'll probably be right before the the soccer tournament that is coming up, but hopefully we can get it before then. But um other results from this weekend, you know, the 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 golf team uh there was an invite the Marilyn Smith Sunflower Invitational that happened last week. Uh the women's golf was third out of nine teams that were there, so a pretty good showing for them uh, I don't actually have up who who was who who finished ahead of them, but it was still a good showing to come in third out of the nine teams that were there uh the men's golf has a has one coming up this weekend, so they don't have any results from this last weekend to share but but yeah so that is uh that's it for our olympic update uh I, I'm going to go ahead and get you guys over to the recap that we did with Mike, but before we do that, I'm actually, sorry, let me throw it to a quick break. We'll get some some uh, words from some of the other podcasts we have. When we get back, I actually have an interview with Carrington Harrison. He is uh, f- from 610 Sports here, here in Kansas City. You guys know him as a big Mizzou guy. We're not here to talk about Missouri basketball or the Kansas-Missouri game coming up yet. We'll get to that when we get closer to that. But uh, there is a a high school basketball documentary that's coming out that I'm really excited about. So we will get to that right on the other side of this break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Here on the Rockstock podcast, we're happy to have a brand new sponsor, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers use. I personally have a Kansas desk plaque that has the Kansas Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely fantastic. Have it out on my on my uh, coffee table there. Everybody absolutely loves it whenever they come over. I have one of the stainless the, the stainless steel bookends too. It looks fantastic on my bookshelf. And I was able to have Gridiron make a sign with the Rock Chalk Podcast logo that hangs on my wall. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Um, you guys will love it too. Go to gridironmetal.com use promo code chalk 12 you can get 15 percent off your entire first order and all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping they have so many great things whether it's grill grates grill accessories anything else you can think of i promise you that when you go make your first order you're going to get over a hundred dollars because they just have so much great stuff whether it's for you or the other people in your life that are you know huge sports fanatics as well best part is everything at gridiron metal is high quality and made in the usa and they continue to add new products for all the schools that they have all the time i you know head over to gridiron metal use that promo code chalk 12 get 15 percent off your entire first order and start saving today this is brandon phoenix aka i also hate pit joined by my brother jeremy jn phoenix we are the raspy voice kids we do the raspy voice kids podcast if you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And I'm joined now by Carrington Harrison. He is a uh, host of the Afternoon Drive over on 610 Sports here in Kansas City. Carrington, how are you doing today?
3: Hey, man, I appreciate you having on, having me on. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah, not a problem. You know, we will have you on again later this year because Kansas and Missouri are finally playing again in the non-conference in basketball, and we will preview that game when, when it actually gets to that point. But before that, there is actually a very special event happening this weekend, um, and, and you know, you had kind of reached out to let me know what was going on, and we wanted to go ahead and bring you on the podcast so we could talk about it because, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. But there is a, a documentary about Kansas City area high school basketball coming out. Uh, correct me if, if I got this wrong at all, but it's from Paseo to Pembroke. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the documentary? Like what was it that made you guys want to put this together and, and what's the story that it's trying to talk about?
3: Well, number one, I don't know why Kansas was scheduled a loss in basketball. It's not that many programs that are better than (laughs) Kansas in basketball. Missouri is just one of those programs. I don't know why you guys would be interested in scheduling Mizzou. But, um, no, so it's called From Paseo to Pembroke, and I guess the title represents the era that the basketball documentary covers. So it starts with Anthony Peeler, uh, who graduated high school in 1988, and it ends with Jerron Rush, who graduated from Pembroke Hill in 1998. So it's a collection of stories during this time that I just didn't feel like had really been told at this level that they had sort of been stories that people talk about on social media or on Facebook or at barbecues, but nobody had ever tried to compile all this information and really put it into one place. So it started as sort of a COVID project. And last year, I think we all were kind of figuring out, well, what do we do with all this extra free time? And I was just like, well, I had this idea in my head probably since 2019. And I just was thinking well all the main people that I really need to tell this story are all here like people aren't moving they aren't as mobile they're not taking vacations as much as they normally do so now would be the good time to try so hit up a couple of my friends and kind of ran the idea by them and a lot of people liked it so probably around last May June we just started doing this and then you know with covid there wasn't there wasn't really a rush to release it because people weren't really going back to the movie theaters but I think we see now, you know, some people are certainly going to stay away because of COVID. I certainly understand it. But people are much more inclined to actually go out to the movie theater to, to, to see something now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I am I'm an absolute sports side. I'll watch pretty much any kind of sports. Um, and, and, like, I love to hear about all the stories, you know. And, and honestly, that's why I started the podcast because I want to be able to talk to people about, you know, stories that – you don't usually get to hear and kind of come at it from another perspective. So I'm, I would, I'm definitely super intrigued by this, um, you know, and, and also having like grown up in the Kansas city area, but not really, you know, diving deep into the history of the, the sports in, in the high schools and, and like around this area, short of, you know, the, the college stuff that everybody talks about all the time or the professional sports, like this is the kind of that backstory that you don't get to hear too much about the flavor of the city. You know, you, you, you know, Hoosiers and like, you, there's a lot of stuff talking about high school basketball in other places or like high school football down in Texas, you know, those sorts of things. Um, you know, I, I am definitely interested to kind of hear about some of those same types of stories that get publicized from other places a lot, but but we have a lot of that same history here. Was there a particular story? Like, obviously, it's a collection of, of several different stories, but was there one story that really kind of kicked us off as like, oh, my gosh, we need to make sure that people actually hear this story that, that kind of got the whole project kickstarted?
3: Uh, I, I went on channel five earlier today and I told this story, I think whenever the direction, cause in, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. I, there's so much history and it covers such a vast amount of time. It's impossible to get everybody's story. You know, I'm not Netflix where they're going to give me a right, right. <laughs> episode thing, where I can, you know what I mean? We're taking that too bad. Right. <laughs> and Whenever Howard Richmond, who used to work for the Kansas City Star, he told me the full story about Chris Lindley. It just, it blew my mind. And maybe some people know the story, some people don't. I don't want to spoil it for people that don't know. It was one of those stories that I was like, everything kind of became clear to me. Like, this is what the doc is about. Like, no one has really told this story in a way that I think we can tell it. So why not do it? Uh, I would say Chris Lindley's story was one. Uh, maybe a, a fun one, obviously on like a very different end of the spectrum, that Greg Gurley has been famous for so long that I forgot he played basketball at Kansas. Right. Yeah, like watching Greg <laughs> Gurley play high school basketball was like, yo, Gurley, who? Like, I just kind of like, I just forgot. You got to think Gurley graduated in 91. I was born in 88. Like, I never saw Greg Gurley play basketball before. Greg Gurley's just always been, oh, he's the KU guy. Oh, he's, you know, he's around. Now he's the voice of KU. It's like, I saw Greg Gurley play basketball for the first time last summer, and I was like, yo, Gurley was a hooper. Yeah. Like, I think, I think, I think it'll be cool for people to see that kind of stuff that they just haven't seen in a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to be honest, you know, I, I actually, moved out here. Let's see, it would have been middle of the 90s. So like a lot of those stories I didn't necessarily hear. And, and there wasn't a lot of people I think that I grew up around that would be telling those kind of stories. So like both of the stories you're talking about, I have no context for. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to go ahead and take a look and, and actually hear some of these stories. Um, You know, I, I am I am curious. Is there is I mean, obviously, you have to kind of see how how it does in the in the theater run. But it, has there been any kind of talk about finding a way to make this available for people that aren't able to get out there either because of COVID or any other reason?
3: Oh yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly going to be available on streaming uh, after this. Um, I'm, and I, I'm just a big fan of the movie theater. Like, Oh some yeah, of for this sure. Is just the, like, I got to say I made a movie, you know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. That <laughs> They put in the movie theater. So it's just like really cool. Uh, but no, certainly, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think this is a story about community, but the community just isn't at the movie theater. You know, the community has grown, it's changed. You know, people move away. So, no, it it, it definitely will be in streaming after it's done with the movie theater run, but it was really important to me, and maybe selfishly, like, I, I, I wanted to say I put a movie that was in a movie theater, but I... I I think that, like, part of getting back to normal is doing things that we used to do pre-COVID, and I used to go to the movie theater all the time. Right. So kind of getting back in those spaces, feeling comfortable to be around each other in those spaces, and just enjoying a movie that, you know, I, I think was really important. So it'll be in Screenland Armor from September 30th until October 5th, and we're working on a theater in Kansas, too, so it'll have, like, another week after that. And then we'll start selling DVDs and it'll be available for digital download and all that kind of stuff.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, especially since this is like a movie or like a documentary about the community, like, and all the basketball in the community, it makes sense for it first to be seen in an opportunity to actually go out into the community and do that, you know, at a, at a community theater. So I I definitely understand Mm -hmm. that. and, And I definitely agree. Like, that, that is definitely the right place to debut it, to really kind of show it, to give everybody an opportunity to come together and watch that in, in that communal setting to celebrate all the history that we have in the community. So like I said, I am super excited to see it. Uh, I, I can't wait. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to get over there for the first run, but I am glad to hear that it's coming to Kansas, like some sort of theater over here in Kansas, or if for whatever reason I can't actually catch it, that I'll have an opportunity to do it later. So I will definitely find a way to watch this. Not sure exactly how it's going to happen, but I highly recommend anybody who's 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 listening to this now do everything you can to get out there and actually watch it during the first week here, uh, you know, so so we can you know give it a a really good reception here at the very beginning. I am super excited. I actually just watched the trailer earlier today, and and I'm really super excited about it. So Carrington, thank you so much for coming on. We like I said, we will have you back on closer to when the KU Mizzou game is because I I definitely want to chat with you about that one. That one will be a lot of fun. So. Thank you. Yeah,
3: absolutely, man. I appreciate you giving me the uh, opportunity to promote this. I hope people come out and support it. Me too. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Are you a Big 12 basketball-obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.
2: And I'm joined now by Mike Plank, Editor-in-Chief over at Rock Chalk Talk, uh, to recap this game. Mike, how are you doing today? Well, Andy?
1: I am sitting on the porch of my condo in coastal North Carolina, eating some popcorn and sipping on a little juice. Uh, if you get my drift and uh, having a wonderful evening. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. So in other words, what you're saying is if you hadn't had to watch that second half of that Kansas Duke game, it would be an absolute perfect vacation, right?
1: Oh, I'd be in a great mood, dude. If we won <laughs> that game 24 to 21, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so talking about that game, let's go ahead and start with the good because obviously that first half, yeah, there were some warts, um, but it seemed like there was a bunch of stuff going right for that Kansas team in the first half. I, I will say again, if we're limiting just to the first half, what were you most impressed by what Kansas was doing in that first half of that game?
1: Gosh, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Because uh what kept Kansas in the game up to that point, up to halftime, were the Duke turnovers. So, like, you kind of have to give the defense credit for those, right? Like, being in the right place at the right time and, and, uh, you know, picking off the pass and returning it. And then they jumped on a fumble. But, um, but I mean, Duke was still at like seven and a half yards per play in the first half. So they were still yeah. doing. Pretty much whatever they wanted to to our defense, Um, but the KU offense kept up with them, you know, shot for shot in the first half, and obviously that changed in the second half because our turnovers came in the second half, and so Duke kind of ran away with it there in the fourth quarter. Actually, in the third quarter, the third quarter they outscored us twenty-one to nothing or twenty-one to three, maybe.
2: Yeah, it was third quarter
1: was really bad, but but yeah, the first half was. I don't really know how to explain the defense in the first half, because like I said, they had those two turnovers, but like statistically they still were not good. Um, so I, I guess just to directly answer the question, you have to say you're most impressed with the offense and, um, like taking the shot that the wide receivers had a couple of bad drops, Grimm and Wilson both had a couple of pretty bad drops. Uh, but those are the only two that I remember for the evening, actually. Um, unfortunately they were both in that first half, but, uh, but it didn't matter because KU okay, just kept punching them in the mouth and running the ball down the field and throwing the ball down the field. That was we kind of talked about that last week about changing up what you're doing on offense and and I feel like they did that. I don't. Uh, it seemed like a completely different offense and and obviously the the stats showed that the points the scoreboard showed that. Um, so yeah, I, I I was mostly impressed with that and, and the part about that I was most impressed with was throwing the ball down the field, right? Um, you know, Trevor Wilson ended up on the on the top ten Sports Center with the number two catch that night, and um, yeah, yeah, that was and, a fantastic yeah, catch. <laughs> yeah, throwing the ball down the field just opened up the run game, and like that's what that's what you have to do. And and I was glad to see us do that. Now, can we do that against the Iowa States and the TCU's and the Oklahomas and the K States? Maybe, maybe not, but like we have to try, right? At least we know we can do it now.
2: Right. I mean, that was our biggest complaint from the first few weeks. Wasn't that yeah. Kansas wasn't being successful on offense. It's that it didn't look like they had any interest in mixing it up and trying to find something that was successful. Like, <laughs> exactly. It seemed like they were just settling like, oh, well, we know this isn't going to work, but we want to be consistent. We want to, you know, make sure that we're doing those fundamental things right. Not trying to do something different to see what they're able to do. And, and, and like, this is what we saw. We saw you know, some, some unique looks. We saw them getting out and doing things that were different. I saw some plays that honestly surprised me because I was not expecting them to do things that they did in that first half. And yes, it didn't work nearly as well in the second half. There were some miscues, but even in the second half, when they weren't, you know, actually getting it to, to execute as well as they were hoping, they were still trying to do things. They were still throwing the ball down the field. It didn't necessarily work as well, but you know, they were, they were still, being different enough doing enough different things that you have to think that if they continue to do that it's eventually going to click and they're going to start to see some success against some Big 12 teams not necessarily you know in final score on the scoreboard but to actually start getting an offense that can build some confidence that can start to execute can actually start to move the ball and maybe get some points uh, and so like that's really what what we're looking for you know again we talked about it coming into the year i think most people that are being realistic about this Kansas team know what's what has to happen. Like, you know, there's going to be a really, really painful season in terms of results. If if you're watching this Kansas team because you want to see wins, then I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. You know, they might get one more the rest of this year, depending on if they can catch someone, you know, I'm thinking of someone like a Texas Tech on a really, really bad night, but like they are not going to overpower anyone, they're not going to out-execute anyone, they're going to have to get some lucky breaks, the defense is going to have to be, you know, get some turnovers, and the offense is going to have to do this, they're going to have to throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall, hope that a bunch more sticks than doesn't stick, hope that they don't turn the ball over a few times, and you know, try to get out of there with a win, or at least to remain competitive. We saw them, you know, execute that sort of game plan, and it worked for an entire half, you know, they were winning 24-21 at the half, which was absolutely fantastic, I was floored. I was flabbergasted, you know, and then they scored the field goal coming out of the first half or out of the half. And you thought maybe there's a chance that the defense or that the offense is going to keep moving. And then it all kind of fell off a cliff there at that point. But, you know, you were right. Like, you know, you talked about the defense. I think that's the biggest um, disappointment for me is just how bad this defense was. Look, I've been making excuses for the defense thinking, you know, they've got guys like Kenny Logan, you know, guys that are going to be better. We have coaches that we think are going to put them in better positions to succeed. You know, we we started to see some potential life. We saw some some big plays against South Dakota, but of course, it was South Dakota. Um, you know, it makes you wonder. Or like, I don't know what it is at this point that makes this defense as bad as it is. Is there anything that you saw, like seeing them in person again that 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 you can think of the point to that that is causing them all the problems that they're having on defense? Like, are they are they over committing? Like, are they trying to do too much, trying to get the big play and getting burned for it? Or is there something else that's going on that I'm just not seeing because I, I honestly can't explain it?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to have a great answer for that because, you know, obviously I'm not a football coach and I obviously don't have, I also, maybe not obviously, but I also don't have the time to, you know, sit and watch a bunch of game tape, right? <laughs>
0: right, right, right.
1: Um, but my first impression, I guess, is just so many missed tackles. And I mean, I know Mateo Durant's a good running back, but like, what was that? um, I think it was in the second quarter, maybe the third quarter, where I think it was Gavin Potter came around the edge free. And all he had to do was run into Gunnar Holmberg, the Duke quarterback. And instead he like jumped at him and then like grabbed his shirt and the quarterback spun off of him, dumped it off into the flat. And the guy ran it for 50 yards down the field. Like that should have, and, and we missed the tackle after the, Reception, so we miss the sack. Then we miss the back, and he goes for fifty. Like just missed tackles everywhere is the problem. Um, at least the the first problem that comes to mind for me. Um, so I, you know, I think it's too early to say definitively if it's a scheme issue or not. Obviously, we again we've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, they're installing a you know okay, he's going back to a four three a base four three defense this year. Um so they're installing a brand new defense without the benefit of spring ball, right? Um and you know so all they had was fall practice. And right. so maybe they're maybe they're still running a very basic base defense out there. Maybe they haven't had time to implement a lot of the stunts and, you know, blitzes and what coverages and whatever. Um that's very possible. That um but uh I like like I said the first thing that comes to mind is is missed tackles and uh, but it seems like they're in position to make plays. They're just they're just not making them right
2: now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that actually is kind of what I was what is thinking, you know, in terms of the overcommitting. Because, the you know, they're either in a good position to make a play and try to go for the tackle a little too soon, which allows the guy to kind of juke out of it and, you know, make it a, a, a poor tackle um, that they're then able to break through. Or, you know, when they're not in a good position, it's usually because of some sort of misdirection. And so they're over committing to the way that play is supposed to develop. And I don't know how you fix that other than you know these guys need to get more experience. They need to be able to better read the situation and figure out when it is, you know, that they actually need to commit to that at that point. Um, So like you said, like, I, I honestly think that at this point, unfortunately, it's just a matter of not having enough experience with this system. And not, you know, and and I mean, they are still playing a whole bunch of young guys. Like, you know, they do have some experience kind of going throughout and you would think that a guy like Gavin Potter, you know, being a third year player um, would have that kind of experience. But you have to remember what his defensive coaches were like, you know, prior to this, like they they did. He didn't get off to the best start. He didn't have a lot of opportunities with, you know, a, a good foundation of being taught and learning the system and then only being thrown out there when he had an opportunity. You know, or when he had shown stuff in practice or things like that, like he got thrown out there because he had to because of injuries and probably learned, you know, some some not so great habits because they just had to have him out there. You know, and, and, and I mean, you do as much as you can, but if you're getting a bunch of reps doing something and you're not completely prepared for it, you're going to pick up some bad habits are you're going to have to unlearn. And so, like, I think that the coaching staff, from what I've seen, the coaching staff seems to know what they're talking about. And we know from their track record that it is something that they should be able to get turned around but the timeline is going to be way too long. I think for a lot of people to be super happy, like we're going to get extremely frustrated with this defense. I think the rest of the year, because I have a hard time thinking they're going to stop anyone. You know, Kenny Logan is an absolutely fantastic player. The problem is he can't do it by himself and there's enough going on around him and guys trying to learn systems and trying to do all this stuff that, you know, he's going to, he's going to make as many plays as he possibly can, but he, he can't do all of them. And so, you know, it's going to be super frustrating for Kansas fans. We're going to see, I think, a lot of scores like this where teams are scoring in the 40s and 50s because Kansas has a really, really long way to go on the defense. I'm shocked because I expected the defense to be, you know, the strength of this of this team this year. But it's, yeah, pretty, really yeah, it's pretty clear that there's enough holes and enough spots that even the good players that we have, you know, we have a defensive secondary that I think is made up of a lot of really good talent. They're just not going to get an opportunity to get that recognition and really kind of show what they can do because there's just so much going on scheme-wise. And and I guess not even really scheme-wise, just trying to mesh everything together in the entire defense as opposed to, like, it's, it's not an issue with the way that the scheme is set up. It's really an issue of execution of the scheme.
1: Yeah, and again, that's a result, or, yeah, I guess result's a good word, of, you know, the new coaching staff coming in after spring ball, completely turning things over. Um, you know, it's just another, it, it, it's just, it just makes this year longer, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, a big thank you to our sponsor here on the podcast symbol symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. The best part is they are not any kind of gambling, so they are legal in all 50 states, so you can participate no matter where you live. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol's offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network and the Rock Talk Podcast. They're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol. Make a $25 deposit using promo code CHALK12, and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. Just go to symbol.com, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use that promo code CHALK12 for a chance to win two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. You know, uh, Make sure you visit, and you can start investing in your favorite teams today. All right, I do want to talk... Um, well, I'm, I'm actually trying to think if there's a, you know, is, is there anything else that really kind of jumped out to you about the game itself, the players on the field? Like, was there any any particular player that you wanted to highlight from what you saw?
1: Um, who was the um, the linebacker? There there's a linebacker that had something like 14 tackles. The Buffalo transfer kid, I think. Um, I'm trying he, to remember. I'm actually
2: good, pulling him up right now, the box score. Yeah, he, he had a good game. Um, i are talking about Ritz Miller. Yep, Rich Miller had seven. Seven solo tackles, fourteen total tackles. Kenny Logan, you know, had eight solo tackles, eleven total. Gavin Potter, yeah, uh, was credited with half of the one tackle for loss that the entire defense had. Uh, yeah, yeah that, was, that that's the other thing
1: that's that's ugh. killing us is we're not getting any penetration on the defensive line. Uh, we didn't have any sacks, just the one tackle for loss. But so I, again, another sign of you know, is it talent or is it you know the scheme taking too long to implement or what it or what it. Whatever it may be. But, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a bad sign.
2: <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Unfortunately, you know, again, just kind of looking now through some box score stuff, I was impressed with what Jason Bean was able to do. Yes, he had the two interceptions, but the two touchdown, the two passing touchdowns that he had, he threw for 323 yards, um, you know, averaged 10.1 yards per attempt. Like, so that was absolutely fantastic to see them to, you know, get it going. And Devin Neal had an absolutely fantastic game, you know, 17 carries yep. for 107 yards. He averaged six. 6- Point 3. three yards per carry. Tory Lachlan had seven, you know, seven carries for forty-seven yards. He averaged six point seven. It's so, like the running game did really well. You know, Jason. Right. Jason right back Bean back best game so far, yeah. Jason Bean had fifty-four yards on on his carries as well, and he was by far the least successful, you know, runner that they had. Which is what you want to see. Like you want to see him be somewhat right. successful. Like he he still got three point six yards per carry, which is well, enough and to that move includes- the. Sticks. Yeah, and that
1: includes a 17-yard sack, too. So he actually gained whatever well, gosh, that yeah. is, 54 plus 17. He actually gained that, and then uh, sacks count as negative rushing yards for quarterbacks, unfortunately. So. Right, right.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think overall it was it was good from the offense. You know, it's a huge step up, obviously, this next week that they're playing in terms of the Iowa State defense is a lot better than Duke's defense going to be. And, oh, yeah. you know, we're not going to necessarily see these sorts of results, but I think what this game – gave you is a sense of hope that when things are, you know, once they get to the point where they, where things are going right, where they're going to have a a talent level that's on par or an offensive line that can block the way they need to, you know, like once they actually get it going, it can be successful. They can do enough stuff and, you know, mix it up enough that they're going to have an opportunity to be in games. The question obviously is going to be how well can they get that defense going? Um, that's the bigger, the, the bigger lift. So, all right, Mike, um, Anything else you want to talk about about this game?
1: Um, just I just want to kind of ask you a question, I guess, Andy. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So Kenny Logan had that um, targeting penalty and ejection in the fourth quarter, so he's going to miss the Iowa State game. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Uh, he'll he'll miss the first half.
1: Oh, just the first half. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't sure if it was the whole game or just the half.
2: No, yeah. yeah. So any any ejection that happens in the, in the second half of a game, you miss the first half of the next game, which – You know, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, I saw it on the replays, and of course, I'm not sure how well you could actually see it. But did it seem pretty obvious, like, watching it, that that should have been a targeting penalty? Because I'm not convinced.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the only reason I say that is because, um, you know, like, just kind of in a game awareness type situation, like, the quarterback was on his way down. There, There was no need for him to to dive at him like that. So just in terms of that, I think is why he got the flag. I don't know that he actually, I, I don't, they, they obviously didn't show the replay, um, you know, a lot there. Um, they showed it just two or three times. And so I'm trying to, to replay it in my mind here, but like, I'm did, did he, he didn't make any kind of forcible contact or anything. I think he just kind of, no, what
2: happened was like, yeah. he, he went and ran into him and he like, took his shoulder, essentially, and ran it into the other shoulder. You know, it's like he ran it into the runner's shoulder, but then the follow-through, his helmet then collided with the runner's helmet on the way down. So it was one of those things where, like, I I honestly think if it was anyone other, because it it was the quarterback running, correct?
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: If it was any other runner, I think, then they probably would not have necessarily called it. Um, I just think it was one of those things. He went, you know, and it, it almost looked like, where you see, like, kickers on, you know, kickoff returns, where they'll, like, you know, run and, like, just, like, put their shoulder in to them to try to knock them off balance. And it looked like that's what he was trying to do. That's how he made contact. But since they were both well, wasn't going he to the ground, Wasn't
1: already when he already sliding? Wasn't he already sliding? Wasn't already going down?
2: Uh, no, no, he was not sliding. Like, he actually fell forward. Oh, okay. Right, right. Which is why I was like, well, why did they call that? Or at least that's... From from the replays that I saw, it sure looked like he was falling forward. If he did slide, he had literally just started the slide, which he wouldn't have gotten that protection from the slide. So yeah, maybe um, I'm
1: just not recalling the play right now. Yeah, I
2: don't know. I I, I might have have to go look at it again. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. So I, I thought it was a, a fairly weak call there, but uh, you know, un- unfortunately, we don't we don't get to go back and make the changes afterwards. So he will yeah. miss the, he will miss the first half. Um it'll be interesting to kind of see what the Kansas defense is able to do, especially since Iowa state coming up this week has, you know, a hard time. It seems to get started. So we'll have to see how that works out, but you know, at least he'll be back for the second half that they can potentially have some possibility to, to not get completely demolished. Although I fully expect that to actually happen. So, all right, Mike, any, any thoughts about the weekend coming up before we get out of here?
1: Uh, no, I don't think, uh, anything in particular, um, I guess I do kind of want to just address what we were talking about with the defense just real quick. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, the, the way that um, <laughs> the way that first quarter went with, you know, KU being plus two in turnovers in the first half, right? Not right. just the first quarter, the first half. So, and I kind of hate to bring up, you know, a painful weekend, but for example, the Chiefs were negative four in turnovers against the Chargers, right? And they lost in the final minute of the game if Kansas is ever minus four in turnovers, it's going to be a complete blowout. Like we do not have the offense oh, yeah. um, to keep that up. So like, this is one of those seasons where if we're going to get that win, that, that second win that everybody wants to see, you know, everything is going to have to go right. They're going to have to, uh, you know, win on first down. They're going to have to have uh, third down percentage on both offense and defense it needs to be in KU's favor uh, there. And they're going to have to have a positive turnover margin that they, they are not, Going to be able to win games with a negative turnover margin? At least I highly doubt it. So, um, yeah, the defense needs some work. <laughs> um, they've got to get off the field on third down. They, they've got to get off the field on third down. I don't care if third and two or third and twelve. They have got to get off the field. Um, you know, our third down defense has been just terrible this year. Well, it's, and it's, a, it's, it's a, kind of
2: funny because going into last, going into the the Baylor game, they actually had one of the better third down percentages in terms of making it to the other team but then the team would always go for it on fourth. So like they had like the best third down conversion percentage but the worst fourth down uh which was really yeah. really bad. So
1: and um, that, that may have been that may have been helped out by the South Dakota game because I know Coastal punished us on third down and Baylor obviously punished us on third right, down. Right right yeah yeah uh, it, and, it,
3: was, and, it was prior to the Coastal game study. so
2: <laughs> yeah it was Yeah fun. yeah. Anyway, uh yeah, so I mean it's definitely one of those uh there, there's a lot of work to be done. Hopefully the defense can, you know, at least continue to get turnovers. The one thing that I will say is that the, the teams that they have coming up, you know, in Iowa state and then Texas tech in two weeks after that um, have not really held onto the ball as well as they probably should have been. So there, there will be opportunities. They have to actually create those and allow the offense to be able to, 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 to take advantage of those is really what it comes down to. So. Yep. All right, Mike. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today, unless you had any other final thoughts you want to leave with us. No, no, that's uh, that's good for me. All right, perfect. Well, in that case, uh, that will do it for us today. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, and you can subscribe to get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments. We'd absolutely love it. Um, but if not, for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any questions, comments, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me via Twitter at Rock Talk Pod or, or by email at Rock and You can leave us a voicemail. And since we are on the Anchor platform, just go to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message. Leave us a voicemail. You know, a question you have, a reaction to the game, or anything like that. I promise it will get you on the show as long as you're not super inappropriate. Um, we are on the 1012 network, so please visit uh, us over on Twitter at 1012 network to get all the links to all the great shows we have covering all the teams in the Big 12. Um, visit our sponsors, you know, Symbol and uh, Gridiron Metal. Use promo code Chalk12 at those sponsors to get really, really great deals. Um, it really does help us out here, too. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
0: network. plus.